everybody it's the throne we are back it's been a while i hope you guys enjoyed that ralph update but uh i am back with a new episode and this week i am joined by lennon valoy of Karaya. what's going on bro what's going on man I'm so excited to be back hey that's what's up man yeah if you guys are og og fans of the throne or when i was first getting started with the show uh lennon was on episode 15 um you know, I've known him for a long time, pretty much family. Uh, we grew up playing together. And now you finally got your project on the road. Um, I mean, let, I'm going to let you take it off. Like, what is the name of the new project? Uh, right. and what's the kind of genre that you're going with? Let the people know. So it's called Karaya, and it's a solo project, um, something that I had been kind of working on for a while. You know, I had been trying to do stuff with bands before and just it wasn't really happening, wasn't really working out. And then, of course, with COVID, you can't do no shows. So uh, another buddy of mine, LT, and along with you, you guys had mentioned to me before in passing about I should just do my own solo project and stuff like that. And then when uh, some stuff happened with the last band I was with, I just decided, you know what, I'm going I'm to take their advice. And I just had some stuff recorded and i decided to you know re-edit it and remaster it basically contracted the singer in italy did some stuff and just basically put it out and now that's that's my full project my full fourth karaya karaya my band slash project whatever and i'm collaborating with all kinds of musicians but it's definitely metal of course gotta let everybody know yeah 100 uh, metal guy got the classic scorpions shirt here is that a metal band the scorpions i mean yeah, yeah, definitely the their '80s stuff. Okay, they're hard rock and metal. They're, they're like one of those bands that are like on the on the spectrum sort of. Some stuff hard rock, some stuff metal. Okay, yeah, I could see how you, how you could say that, but um, yeah. I I guess uh, I want I want I wanted to get kind of into the the, oh, the my team like the there. deeper Ooh, of it. There it is, the necklace. Got to pull out the necklace. oh yeah, choking. Pearls, like what the is this? Feeling, feeling the pearls uh <laughs> but like get into deeper of it so now it's a it's a solo project right yeah and um like i said we grew up together and i feel like a lot of people have this idea like um you know the grass is always greener on the other side type thing so when you moved out to new york um obviously it was to to go to to classical school that like we spoke first on the on the original podcast um, but also, obviously, to to start a project, start a band, and and pursue a music career. Um, for those, how, for really quick, for those who don't know, you said classical school. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is the correct terminology? I don't know. I'm just busting balls, but it's just like classical school. I know some people are gonna be like, "What's school? classical school?" Uh, you know, like yeah. Classical music training, I guess. I mean, what would you? I don't know. I I went. I went. What JC's trying to say? I went to a a music college and I studied classical music. There you go. OK, so but also you went to, to start a band, to start a project, to start what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, and it like I feel like big cities like New York City, L.A., Chicago, um, maybe a little bit Miami to people who aren't from here. Um, they kind of feel like or people from outside of those cities feel like it'll be easy to get something like that going um, when you arrive to a big city like that um like did you find that it was harder than you originally had imagined and like what are some of the troubles that you ran into that eventually led you to the conclusion uh that you wanted to start uh, you know pushing it on your own definitely much much harder than i thought unfortunately the music scene here in new york like 
it pains me to say because you know everybody knows me knows how much I love my city and stuff but it's people here are just not with it straight up I've had so many people audition you know no calls no shows I've literally made it as easy as possible as I can you know I've had equipment I've had rehearsal space I've had songs already written and recorded with you know everything tabbed the tabs written out it's like and I had people take two three weeks just to learn one song had people just not really bother with the songs at all and it was just a revolving door of musicians you know from drummers to singers and you know I had this one kid we talked about it one time he, he was great he loved the music he was witty he was a great guitarist and he was a guitarist and singer which of course you know something That's I just want to strive for yeah of course but he was like afraid to come to the studio by himself I'm like what like because he was like 17 18 and I just thought like what do you mean he's like yeah I just you know because being at night and whatever I'm like dude this isn't the 80s New York is is you know like pre-COVID of course is like one of the safest major big cities in the country so he just was obviously I can't have somebody who's always going to need an escort to come to practice you know yeah. that's just one example and then I've had people jam with me for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden just be ghosting a lot of people ghost it's just it's a lot of bullshit man a lot a lot of bullshit and I've cut people way too much slack you've definitely consoled me with that. Like, I'll be telling you like, yeah, man, I've been with this guy for weeks now and he's just still not yours. Bro, like fucking cut him loose, man. These guys aren't, you know, and even I'm kind of with a my dick, life. though, you know. No, it's not being a dick. You definitely were the one to like, like push me in the right direction in that case because I have uh, a bad habit of cutting people like a lot of slack without even realizing, especially when I like them on a personal level. And sometimes you have to be very professional and business-like about it. And then, so definitely some stuff that I've held myself back in. So finally, you know, after so much searching and I found these guys who I thought were serious, I jammed with them for a few months, same thing. And while I was jamming with them out of the blue, I got this call from another band who had, you know, who found my flyers that I put. Yeah. And for the first time I found musicians who, were as hard working as me or if not, you know, even say even harder working than me. And I was officially like part of the band with them. I played for a few months, but uh, we just had uh, different ideas musically about where we wanted to go. Like I had a lot of ideas, you know, for like the, the financial and, and business aspect part of the band and they just weren't really with it. So nothing against them. They were hardworking guys, great music, but you know, at the end of the day, just the vibe wasn't there. You know, I was definitely the odd man out. And, um, you know, they had kind of their thing going on. I came in and I was really, you know, more than happy to learn and play their songs at the beginning. But after a while, you know, you kind of want to put your input into it and hope that, you know, your voice can come out within the project. But for the moment, they just kind of weren't with it. They were really adamant about working and finishing the project that they had with these specific songs in this specific way. So, which I get it. That's so, yeah. So let me it ask you kind this. Of, uh, uh, not to cut you off. Sorry. No. Um, like if if now that you're running, um, you know, the project, uh, your own project, not that you weren't before, but now that, you know, you're kind of doing everything yourself, you're self-promoting, uploading stuff, getting, you know, uh, lyric videos down and working on releasing an EP and stuff like that, recording more stuff. Uh, like when you joined the band, you kind of said, 
you know, you started giving your input on the business side, maybe you'd hope that some of uh, your uh, creativity would come out through the songwriting process with them naturally, you know. So like if if you decided to to start adding members into your project, when do you feel like is uh, appropriate or like uh, cool for you to take input and stuff regarding business decisions and stuff like that for your project? Like how how much time would you give a new guy before you felt like that input was like deserved, I guess? Well, for me, I'm I'm always open to ideas, you know, my whole you know, my whole thing that I always wanted to do, you know, was like, I always wanted to have this band that's like a full democracy, you know, because that's very rare, unfortunately, in rock and roll and, and music in general. And I learned that the hard way that it doesn't really work that way, unfortunately, like even most very successful bands are kind of built around one or two members who kind of run things and kind of push it in their direction. It's very, very rare that you have a band like Rush that everybody is like really all equal or even how Metallica is now. And even then they weren't always like that, as you know, with the Jason Newsted years. So for, for me, it would all be all about if the person would be willing to show that they're serious because I'm, I'm still open to hearing ideas, whether it be musically or business-wise. If somebody comes up to me with a good idea and tells me like, oh, you know, I got this idea for promoting and stuff like that. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm all for it. I'm, I'm all here. So I'm at any moment, if, if, you know, if the vibe is there, the vibe is good. Cause that's kind of always what I wanted. Uh, but unfortunately I realized it just doesn't really work. I, and now that I started taking charge and doing my own thing and really, it's, it's incredible how much progress I've gotten in only a month and a half. I mean, I was trying to get a project off the ground for years and I had so many ideas, but again, the ideas were always focused around the band, the band, the band, the band. And I was just putting all this effort and energy into the, the band. And then finally I just decided to put all that effort and energy into myself for the time being. And I'm really happy to say like in just like a month and a half, two months, I've, achieved a tremendous amount of progress i think so you know yeah and i think uh a big thing with that too is that when someone has a vision of like the big picture you know it's hard to get other people to not only see it but also take the right steps to to make it happen you know so there's some artists that i think uh just see the big like you have someone like a roger waters you know, like he sees the big picture and he pretty much wrote uh, all of uh, Dark Side of the Moon as far as like lyrics were concerned and theme mm-hmm. and concept and probably the album cover, stuff like that. Um, And it's like a masterpiece, you know, and not that yeah. other Pink Floyd albums aren't as great. But um, I don't know, sometimes when you have a vision, sometimes it's best to see it out yourself. And then right. you include others when necessary, you know, maybe for playing live shows and stuff like that. But if you know the music you want to make, you know how you want to put it out. I mean, I don't see why not just do it on your own. Like when, as you said, you were investing in the band. I remember, you know, you you had a studio, a drum kit, you know, a bass, like all you had all the equipment, but like you needed people to play it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like now that you said it yourself, you're investing in yourself instead of this idea of like the band without having the members to fill out the roles. You know, it's it's probably a lot more productive. Definitely. Like I, I feel like for writing, you know, for in general, I just feel really good. I feel really confident. I feel really proud of the stuff I'm putting out and I, and I feel more 
more than anything, I feel productive. You know, that's one of the things that I haven't felt in my music career in like, I can't say in a, such a long, long time. And of course, I had a little momentum at, you know, for a while, but then it just dropped off. And now this is the first time where I feel like serious, serious momentum and I'm moving forward with it, growing my, my YouTube channel, not just for music, but putting out other content such as uh, guitar reviews and demos and stuff like that. And once again, I, I got to say thank you again to you. Shout out to JC Rivas because you were one of the people who really encouraged me a lot to go this route, you know. And it's like, it's one of those things because, you know, we're like, apart from being family, you know, you're like my best friend, uh, of course, uh, in case uh, anybody didn't know, anybody listening, that's right. I have that title. So everybody else <laughs> can fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real. So, you know, you hear sometimes you hear stuff from your best friends, like, you know, you telling me, oh, yeah, start your project, start your project. And, and of course, you, you always just think, oh, that's your friends being supportive. But then, you know, once you heard it more than once, you know, like from you and from that other guy saying LT, it's like, man, maybe you know, they're telling me it's because they really mean it. They really think I, I have the talent. I really have the capability. You know what? And I'm, I'm going to do it. And you just put out two songs, right? So far, I had my first song, first single dropped uh, about a month ago already. Damn, time flies. And That's crazy, right? What was, the, what was the name single, of that? Was that Pro- which one was that? That's Processing. Okay, so Processing <laughs> dropped a month ago, and now you just finished dropping which Last one? Last week, I dropped Disco Dance T-O-M-D. Okay, yeah. so let's Wait, get into those two songs. Two songs that once again you two bangers. With two club. bangers. Yeah, I'm really proud of. And you got so. some 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 people, some outside people to come in and, and help with the vocals, right? Yeah, for sure. I contracted the singer. Yeah, I contracted the singer from Italy. I got you on the drums, of course. Like, yeah, got to let everybody know. So fun. like that heat that you hear now, that's my boy JC on the and, drum machine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah so it, it's cool it's it's an interactive project which for now is kind of the idea that what i have for Karaya, you know bringing in jamming with this guy on one song having another guy for another song just keeping it like that until the day that i have a consistent lineup if i ever do but for now for me Karaya is basically what death was for chuck schrodinger you know it's it's a band but it's really his thing Oh, okay. And then when, so the people that he would play with live, were they contributing to the music in the studio in any capable way? Like, yeah. And in the later years. Yeah. In the later years, the first two albums were like all him on the first album. It was literally all instruments, both recording and written. And then the second album. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second album, the second album, he had studio musicians, I believe, but he still wrote most of the part in the later years. Like, in the after like the third or fourth album he started getting more consistent lineups and had people you know really more contribute and that's when the band sound started changing you know they went from yeah. just like pure death metal in the beginning which they kind of invented to then uh technical death metal also known as progressive death metal to then simply just prog metal in the mid to late 90s so it was it was, uh, it was pretty cool you know that's one of the few bands uh that i really liked that that i really love i would say that had a consistent that had a rotating lineup because i like bands with consistent lineups me personally why is you that know, i feel like you i just feel like you get to hear the musicians more you grow with them you get to know them and it's like it the, the bands like 
heart and foundation kind of stays the same, which I personally like, you know, right. Me, me personally, that that's just me. You know, I understand it's nearly impossible. Uh, of course, every band at one point goes through some kind of change. It's like outside of like Aerosmith and Slayer, it's like literally the only two bands that have always kept all original members. And even Slayer, unfortunately, the last five, six years, one because of Jeff's passing and Dave firing were not even. So it's crazy. But, That's but for crazy. the most part, but for the most part, yeah, I like bands that have at least a consistent, at least three members in it. So. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. Um, like a lot of the bands that that uh I grew up with, you know, GNR, and um A7X. Um, I I liked the OG lineups, you know. Obviously, with Avenged, just a little different, you know. The Rev died. It's not like he got you know fired or replaced yeah. or anything, but they kind of had to work with what they had. I mean, they were dealt the cards they were dealt, you know. Um, as far as um consistency i don't know i mean like i feel you especially if you become a big fan of it like one of my favorite bands or probably honestly probably you know top two or top one it kind of flip-flops depends on what day the it strokes. is strokes yeah they've had a consistent lineup since yeah they they're they're out. another one i totally forget about them but yeah the strokes is one of the few bands that it's just like consistent lineup man got to give it to them because that's not easy especially in a five-piece band you know in a four or three but in five pieces especially so they've done it man Props yeah, that man, Arctic that. Monkeys, surprisingly. Uh, another Big band. Monkeys. They've been around since like 05 or 04. Yeah. So they're first on uh, 06, but they had dropped shit before, you know. Like uh, Megadeth. Megadeth, which is a band that I love. It's like there's been periods of the band where Megadeth has just basically been the Dave Mustaine solo project where they haven't had any original members at all. And I still like those albums. Don't get me wrong. But when I, when I see the band play live, it's just like little... It's like, oh, okay, so it's it's the Dave Mustaine band now. Okay, so let me Which, ask you this, because I know you've mentioned in the past you you don't want to go see Guns N' Roses without Izzy and 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 Steve or Steven, yeah. And I, but you've seen Megadeth live a bunch of times, and you, you just mentioned that <laughs> they have this rotating lineup, and it's kind of sometimes just yeah. Been, so why do you make that distinction for Megadeth and not for GNR who? At this point, right. they're basically back together, you know, yeah. for the guap. So, and so you, the short you version. Plenty of chances to go see GNR yes. down here and okay. in New York. All right. So the short version. I'm I'm a geek, right? The long version, basically. Uh, yeah, Guns please. and Roses is, is is one of those bands that it's just like it it means so much to me. It's like my my Mount Rushmore of music is Metallica, Guns and Roses, and the Jimi Hendrix Experience. I guess Megadeth because I said Mount Rushmore. You need four. So. Guns N' Roses, that was one of the bands that was there in the beginning. You know, Slash is the reason I play guitar. So that band's music is just so, like, to the heart for me. I don't know how to explain it, that it just, I, I dreamed for years, for, you know, 10, 11 years, basically, that there would be a lineup, a, a reunion, and that they would get back together. And at one point, I basically gave up hope. I think it was around the the time of the rock and roll hall of fame that they got inducted and Axel wasn't there. Neither was Izzy. And of course with the 25th anniversary of appetite for destruction, that was the same year, 2012. Yeah. I was like, Oh, maybe this year this is something's going to happen. And then after that, I was just like, Oh man, well, that's it. So it just, it, that band just means so much to me. Those albums, appetite for destruction, use your illusion that it's like, if like, I, I, I would need at least four members. So at least, you know, Izzy or Steven, 
one of those guys back. It just, it something about it hurts me. And, and also on a personal level, it's the thing of what happened with Izzy, why he didn't do it because he didn't get his fair share, which is from, from a business perspective, like slash Axel and Duff, it's like, okay, I, I get why they did it. It technically financially makes sense. It's like, cause look, with just the three of them, the not in this lifetime tour, which has been going on now since 2016, the GNR reunion has yeah. become one of the highest grossing tours of all time. So, Fun. you know, from a financial, <laughs> yeah. So from a financial standpoint, it's like, technically they were right. They didn't need Izzy. So, but as, as a fan, that's it's fun. like, yeah, that's fucked up. But as a fan, it's like, I wish they would have given him his fair share. You know, with Steven, it's a different case. Steven is, he's just not up for it physically, according to them. You know, Steven has had a long, long, you know, uh, history of drug and alcohol abuse, even way after the ban. You know, he's, I think he's never been clean more for like than two years. He's not been very consistent. So for him, it was, it was help. But for Izzy, it was a simple fact that it was like, yo, we're going to give you this much. And Izzy standing his ground said, well, why? That's not fair. And they're just like, well, fuck it. So on a personal, it's like for, for me, how knowing being such a big fan of that band and knowing the history and knowing how big Izzy was to that band and, and for writing the songs and just, the, the, you know, that geek in me, that's like, I, I can't, man. Not seeing Izzy up there would kill me. And then as far as the drummer goes, the, you know, Frank Fair, the guy they have now, but he's excellent, no dissent, but it's like, how do you have two drummers to choose from? You got Steven, which, okay, Hellfish was whatever, but then you got Matt, and, and you don't go with none of them. You literally, like, I understand maybe one guy and the one yeah, guy Matt can make it, you have, awesome too. you have two drummers to choose from and you didn't go with none of the drummers who wrote, like, it's just like, so. So you would have seen them if they had Matt Serum? I would have seen them if they had Matt, at least that, and that's four guys. I just, I, yeah, and, but you should have went to see uh, Velvet Revolver, then you would have had three out of five. <laughs> 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 you had the see, Velvet Revolver, the Roses tour. I would have seen, I just. Did yeah, you basically, a Velvet Revolver reunion, but Axel on vocals. That'd be a that's just Guns and Roses reunion. Then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they there was Velvet Revolver in one of their shows. They had that Izzy was such play a cool with them. Band. They had yeah. Izzy play with them for real. They had Izzy play with them in one show, and, and that's like more Velvet of a Revolver. fucking GNR reunion than the fucking yeah. GNR reunion. It was it was basically Velvet Revolver featuring Izzy, and I'm like. At this point, this is Guns N' Roses featuring <laughs> Scott Whalen. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. They should have played Welcome to the Jungle or Paradise City. No, they, they played It's So Easy and oh, something else. But Dude, I have yeah. to look that up. That sounds awesome. It, oh, it's great. Rest in peace, so, Scott Whalen, bro. Yeah, man. Can't a great that one. Died. He can't, that shit came out of nowhere. That heroin, man. That, that freaking drug. 2015 already. <sighs> Life, time flies, man. That's crazy for me. So for like anybody now, bro. Nah, let's one. we could go all day. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's it That's sucks. Just crazy. You know, it's me. But uh yeah, for any GNR fans out there, even casual fans thinking of seeing them, don't go by me because objectively, you know, they sound great live nowadays. The first few shows to me were kind of eh, you know, when the tour started in 2016, but I guess. They were trying to get into the groove of things, you know, with new lineup and new guys. But I, objectively, I would say they they sound great now. They've been tight as hell. And a lot of people, including myself, thought that this tour was going to have, like, mad issues and mad drama, that there was going to be 
you know, people starting late, egos clash, but unfortunately, but no, like it, the shows have started on time. Everybody's getting along. Apparently everything's been straight. So, you know, if you want, I would recommend going seeing them because they're still one of the, to me, greatest rock and roll bands. But I just, the geek and in me, just what they did to Izzy and nothing, it just, I can't. So that's just a personal shit. Okay. 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 That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, I think Axl Rose kind of figured out that a lot of people were not into the Axl Rose experience. You know, I think he had to learn the hard way, dude. I think if it was up to him, if like, if he had been successful with, you know, not that it didn't make any money or anything, but more successful with Chinese democracy and in, in, in that era. And like that people just went on and like, they were doing numbers like they're doing now. I don't think he would have ever done the reunion. I think he realized all right, the, the most money I'm going to make is if I start working with Slash again. <laughs> Looks I, like, I mean, yeah, I guess. I don't know, because at thought, the end of the day, if it wasn't about the money, they would have just cut Izzy the fucking cut. I guess he thought, let me better call Saul if I want to make that money. What does that mean? Slash's real name is Paul Hudson. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I, dude, it's been over a decade since I read the book. I know. But I'm just being a dork. That was such a great but, fucking book. If you haven't yeah. read Slash, what is the heroin diary? Essentially? No, no, that's Nikki. That's Sixth Nikki well. Sixes. Slash, Slash is just called Slash. This is called Slash. Yeah, that's a great. So, I, I love that book. I probably shouldn't have read it at thirteen, but <laughs> no book otherwise. You know, but you know, it's funny you mentioned like the Chinese democracy because they're they're playing songs from that album. Really? Yeah, they're playing everything from Appetite to Chinese Democracy, and they even did a Velvet Revolver song. Like I saw, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I saw a video of them playing Slither, and I'm like, "Oh my God, Axl Rose singing Slither! Axl Rose singing Slither! My 12 year old fantasy is coming true." Dude, so, and you still haven't seen them in concert? Like that is I, I just, just a tribute to your geekdom, right there, dude. I, first, I will up. not do it. Yo, uh, since you were mentioning the Slash and Nikki Six book now, accidentally, anyways, I want to again got to give a shout out to you, man, because you're just straight up the man. What uh, this book here that you gave me for my birthday oh, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. This is a Dave Mustaine book. Did Again, you finish it? Knows me. Uh, yeah. No, you did? And Don't fucking yeah. lie to me. Bro. <laughs> I, it's inc- I just want to say straight up, let me show you guys how... I didn't, I didn't pay him to do this, I swear to God. I, I not, but I have to because, you know, anyone who knows me knows like how much I love Dave Mustaine. He's one of my idols just musically as a songwriter, the guitarist. And yo, so JC, man, you really came through for me, got his book signed by him. Just enjoy that shit. I hope it was a good book. Yo, it, Why do it you was like incredible. So much. Can you tell me? Cause he's such a dick. Explain this to me. <laughs> he's, this. he's honestly, Dave all right. Mustard. Musically. I think he's one of the greatest heavy metal guitars ever personally. Ever? And and you could of you could time? say yeah, I would say is he better than Kirk Zion. right now? Street Fighter so, versus to the death is he better yeah. than Kirk? Yeah, Metallica is my favorite damn, band, but yeah, damn, I've always said Dave Mustaine damn. is the better guitarist. You heard it Dave Mustaine on the throne, folks. I'm sorry, but look, Dave Mustaine will write three. Dave Mustaine will write three of the greatest riffs in heavy metal history and put them in one song. He's just his riffing, his soloing, the fact that he plays something like Holy Wars, one of the most impossible songs to play and sings at the same time. He 
he you could say what he want about personality but as a musician i think he him and dime to me are probably the two greatest heavy metal guitarists ever do you think that um he's he's one of those people that is better when they have like a chip on their shoulder you know what i, I mean? like the 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 whole experience of him getting kicked out of metallica like that might have been good for him in a way because the drive that you must have to to get back on the horse after that and, and drag your own project to the top. Like he was kicked out of one of the top bands at the time or about to be one of the top bands at the time in the in the scene out there. in, in, in what is it? California. Right. Yeah. And uh, and then he made his own band. And at the end of it all, his band is on the same marquee, the big four as the band he was kicked out of. Like, I don't know too many people that get kicked out of a project or end up leaving a project that's huge and end up creating something new that's pretty much close to the same level of of greatness you know yeah well i reading his book one thing you know that i picked up on is that well he even said to himself verbatim he realized that he can't be in a band he has to be in his band so him being kicked out of metallica is like it had to happen. If you yourself are admitting that you, you know, you kind of be the one need to be the one steering the ship, you know, cause he's got a big ego. I think that that's no secret. And even in this book, you know, he, he talks about it a lot. He goes into detail and it's really interesting, but he, he never got over the, the Metallica thing. And, and it's crazy. That's what I'm saying. Like, he has that chip on his shoulder. It's, it's, like it's Tom not because, he still remembers the six quarterbacks that were drafted before him. To this day, he'll it's, name them. Yeah, and order. it's nuts. No, and it's like you hear Dave Mustaine talking sometimes, especially in that Some Kind of Monster documentary. And it's like if, if you were listening to this out of context, you would think this is some guy who for the last 20, 30 years has worked some dead-end job, who never went anywhere, never <laughs> achieved any mainstream success. For real, you would never think this is a guy who went on to start his own mega-successful project, who achieved multi-platinum, who sold multi-platinum record to achieve mainstream success, who headlined arena tours around the world and solidified his name in, in the world, in the scene that he, you know, pretty much helped create. It's like, dude, you're like, <laughs> and, and he talks about it a little bit. He's like in the book and it's just like, you know, people tell me, yeah, I did this, I did Megadeth, but it's like still knowing how big Metallica is and it's just like knowing how, that you could have been a part of that. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I, I don't feel bad for you. Like, you you did it. Like, that's it. You won. Go home. Like, It's like Michael you, Jordan mentioning the guy who got picked before him in the draft or some shit yeah, at, his, at I, his fucking Hall of Fame speech. It's like, dog, you're already, you won six titles. You're you're about to get inducted into the Hall of Fame. You're still talking about the dude who got drafted before you or the coach who yeah, drafted I mean, you wrote you. Rust in Peace, dude. You wrote Rust in Peace, an album that, you know, objectively is considered one of the greatest, not just thrash metal, but metal albums, period. It's like, it's like, dude, it, I'm sorry. It's like, you, you're, you, you're a millionaire. You've had, lived in Manchester. I, I can't, I, 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 here's the thing. One of the reasons I love David is because on a personal level, like I relate to him so much. And I, and I, for me, he's just like straight up, like a real dude. And, and it's like, he says so much shit. That I'm like, yo, I feel you right there, man. That's why. He, you're my boy, but this is one of the like I, I can't fuck with you. Like I'm sorry, man. You you just <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny though because the one time he took his not focus on Metallica, he shifted his sort of uh 
disgruntledness, I guess you could say, it was towards Billy Ray Cyrus. What? Oh, yeah, because yeah. he did like a cover or something like that, right? No, 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 no. It was it's because the year that he released Countdown, that the Megadeth released Countdown to Extinction, which was their most commercially successful record, Billy Ray Cyrus had his album, so like Achy Breaky was playing everywhere. <laughs> so? Yeah. Why is that That's Dave's problem? That's for you. Let's, well, he was mad you know about what? that. All right. All right, first time. Wait, wait, I think wait, he was is, mad I, about that? Pretty much. I think this what is the first time. <laughs> I think this is the first time. You can't release an for, album for the, the same time as me. No, no, no. I think this is the first time for the Throne Podcast. I want to, if you'll allow me, I would like to read just a short paragraph from the Dave Mustaine book where he talks about the achy breaky incident because this, this is nuts. If you'll allow me. Do, do I have the host's permission? Proceed. Okay. Council Here we go. grants your permission. Council grants my permission. All right. So this is Dave Mustaine on his whole beef or whatever with Billy Ray Cyrus. So this was again. Do you have this paragraph ready to go? No, I just had to scroll oh, okay. through it right now. You didn't see <laughs> That's this? Funny as All right. <laughs> Here we go. So this is referring to Achy Breaky being such a hit and him dropping an album that year. Please. I, <clears throat> Dave Mustaine. I swear to God, that's the main thing I remember about the summer of 1992. Megadeth's greatest accomplishment getting overshadowed. Achy, breaky heart was everywhere. I know, remember, my wife loves country music. And the album that spawned that wretched single was nearly ubiquitous. Some gave all, which is the album, debuted at number one on the pop album charts and was still entrenched when Megadeth, when Countdown to Extinction was released a month and a half later. So his album came out and... Basically, he was second on the charts on the Billboard 200, and he didn't mind that until he found out who was number one. And that's what pissed him off. What? So then he goes, it seemed to me that it would have been sufficient for Billy Ray Cyrus to settle for dominating the country charts, but the guy was obviously on a mission to rule the music world. So befuddling was his ascendancy that I actually took my eye off the Metallica ball for a moment, stopped wondering how I was going to surpass Lars and James, and <laughs> simply tried to comprehend the awfulness of a system that spectacularly rewarded crap like achy, breaky heart. <laughs> Megadeth sold a shitload of records that summer, but nothing compared to Billy Ray Cyrus. I just couldn't figure it out. Someone once asked me if our paths ever crossed, us being chart toppers at the same time and all, and I joked, yeah, I told him I had this idea for a sitcom about a guy whose teenage daughter leaves a double life and becomes a big pop star. Fucker stole my concept. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, so he really was like just fucking, he had a chip on his shoulder, man. He was one of those. Motherfucker was like, bitter. If he would, even if he had to make something up to like motivate him to make you him himself mad at someone, he would do it, you know? I don't that's know, a, man. but that's sometimes like that's sometimes people need that to, to bring out greatness out of them, you know. Yeah, you probably couldn't have holy words without all that anger and bitterness, you know. So, so let's know. talk about your music. Yeah, we talked about a lot of other people's music. Let's talk about your music. So, clearly, some of the inspirations for you are, are going to come from Megadeth and come from Metallica. You mentioned briefly, uh, you know, metal and even your band, like straight up, you know, I've told you that, but you know, you know, has been straight up a big influence on me, man. You know, you, oh man, I know, I know, you know, you, <laughs> it's up there in the sky now with, with my dogs. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Look, man, I, I man, as much as I, I love that project, um, I hope that something will happen with that. Um, we ju- we dropped the single in December. I don't even remember January, February. At some point, we dropped the single. <laughs> uh, it was called "Set It Free." Um, the music video of that is out on Unoya's channel. I mean, you know, our music is still out there. Um, it's just you know after Kryptonite. 2020 which is the last gig that i played which was february of 2020 um things just kind of went south you know covid shit shut down and austin quit who was the newest member after playing that one show so we've we we have stuff in our pocket you know but if we release it you know it can't tour with it can't do anything with it um and we've done the route of, you know, putting out music videos. I mean, that's what we put out that video. But again, let's talk about your music. Um, yeah. So the, the single that you put out a month ago, uh, Processing at this point. Yeah. Um, like if you haven't already, go make sure you go and check out Processing by Karaya. But uh, is yeah. there like any kind of overlaying theme to your music lyric wise for this project EP that you have yeah. in the bag? And like, w- w- what is that? And what is maybe something you hope to achieve by, by releasing it and, and putting these thoughts out there to the world? Well, uh, lyrically, there's no theme. Each song had its own theme. I mean, there's no theme that follows. It's not like a concept song. record? No, no. Okay. Uh, musically, the sound is like more on the progressive and groove metal side. But of course, now it being a solo project, it's one of the cool things that like I... Uh, that you know i'm now like right now i'm working on a thrash song so i'm just putting definitely metal but like different styles out there so processing my first single that's definitely more like groove metal and then uh the second single i released disco dance t-o-m-d which is you see i'm here on my youtube page uh karaya tv uh it's uh that one is like more progressive metal you know with like some thrash breakdown stuff the um like the the theme of the lyrics like what are your songs about what what inspires you to write lyrics that's always something that i've talked about on the show that troubles me yeah with lyrics is i feel like everything i write is kind of eh. like yeah what are your songs about and, and how do you go about writing them what is your process like well for me writing lyrics i just write stuff that i care about that that's kind of been my thing so i feel like if i care about it it won't seem pretentious or uh, you know, because I, I care and, and I'm being genuine and the authenticity will come through. So sometimes like I thought about like writing songs about, you know, well, like deep subjects, you know, whatever it may be, like problems of the world or war, whatever, you know, specific issues. But then I have to stop and ask myself, do I really care about this particularly? And it's like, eh, no. Nah. So that that's my approach to writing lyrics. I feel like, you know, because sometimes I think a lot of artists have had this issue. You feel like, God, this is so pretentious. Like, who am I that I need to convey these thoughts to the world? You know, thoughts that haven't already been conveyed. But I think if you just write stuff that you care about, whatever it may be, stuff that matters to you, stuff that serious to you, or even stuff that just interests you, I think uh, the authenticity will come through. And that's how I feel for me. So with processing, that song in particularly is about uh, navigating the world with mental illness you know that's why it's called like processing you know people often who struggle with some kind of mental this uh mental disability you know have mental health issues or learning disabilities 
it's like it's kind of like the brain is like always processing and it's very difficult just maintaining everyday small talk and getting to know people and and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that and that's something that I cared about so I wrote a song about it and and I'm for the most part I'm proud of the song I have yeah. parts where I'm like it's an interesting topic I've never heard anyone bring that up in a song as far as I know um so that's pretty cool um uh, that's an interesting perspective to take I've never had the thought that you said about like, oh, like, who am I to have this thought? Because usually when I write a song, it's more personal, you Mm -hmm. know, like about things that I've actually gone through myself, not really about grander ideas. Yeah, so then that's great. I want to get more into songwriting like that, though, like storytelling and stuff like that, like painting a picture. Like right now I'm reading um, Game of Thrones, like I'm reading the books. Uh, I just watched the show and. Well, John wants to let everybody know if he's better than all of you. He's reading. I read. Okay. (laughs) All right. You fucking sons of bitches. Nah, um, I just watched the show and it ended really shittily. So I'm like the fucking the fucking books can't be this bad. All right. So I'm going to read the books. Uh, and, And the way that this guy writes, like he talks when he brings up a character for the first time, he mentions what they're wearing, the materials, the color, like the the way that he paints pictures with his words is something else man like that's dope to mend that um and so like writing songs like that that are very kind of like um uh flash of the blade you know yeah like that songs like that or, or songs about like uh uh you know the gods and shit you know or like beast and the harlot you know just songs that like tell stories that are like not you know, a breakup or a fucking uh, you're happy about some shit, you know, and I don't know, like just some straight fiction out of nowhere. Like there's a band um, and all the it's a heavy ass metal band. I don't know what subgenre, but all the members of the band play Magic the Gathering and they have a song called Doomblade, which is the name of a, mm. a card. And like, that's just cool as fuck to me. Like Magic the Gathering yeah. lore and the goblins and dragons and shit. Like that seems like it'd be cool as fuck for a metal song or hey, what Alex does. And you know, yeah, the first EP, most of it is based around um, a video game. Was yeah. It? Uh, um, fuck. He's going to stab me if I get this wrong. Uh, <laughs> Dark Souls, I think. Okay. Uh, and like, you know, it's very mm-hmm. kind of dark themes and stuff like that. And it comes out in the music and he writes a lot of stuff like that, like a lot of big picture storytelling kind of stuff, concepts that aren't necessarily always about him personally, just general things. And I always like that about his songwriting. And um, I think it's really like, I don't know, like how to put myself in those shoes. You know, do you write about yeah. stuff like that? Like you mentioned you felt kind of pretentious. Like, what are some of the topics that you feel like you have no place speaking on sometimes? Like your own inner mm-hmm. monologue will kick in, you know? Not that I feel like I have no place speaking on, but I just learned to write stuff that interests me. Maybe care is not the right word, not stuff I care about, but stuff that interests me. So I feel like I can expand on it. So, you know, I have a song called Level Four, which is about cartel violence in Mexico. And, you know, because that's a theme that like really interests me. Like I love reading about, uh, you know, narcos and stuff like that. And So what Leonard you know, is trying to say is that he is better than you because he also reads. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, (laughs) and just, I don't know, for some reason you have some people like they're civil war buffs, some people like reading about cars. For some reason, I'm I'm a narco nerd. I just, I find it very fascinating. Narco nerd. Yeah. 
So, you know, with Mexico, of course, now being the center for drug trafficking and, you know, today, I would say in the Western world, it, it's very big. And, you know, level four refers to how they refer in, in Mexico. The Mexican government has a way that they categorize cartel violence, like how dangerous an area is level one through four, level four being the highest. So that's, <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. What song is but that? But then level four that's oh, not right, right, right. that that song i had on my like you original demo one, right? but i haven't dropped it yet though ah, okay i was like oh, okay gotcha but for example disco dance the you know the prog metal song disco dance t-o-m-d that one is kind of a long story uh we got time the, the we got time you let right. me know so, what is it about so no so the theme of that one is uh it's a funny name, of course, for metal. Because yeah, that is but... a funny name, Disco Dance. Yeah. So, uh, oh, God, I don't even know how to start talking about it. But for anyone who doesn't know, there's a comedian uh, named Patrice O'Neill. And Patrice O'Neill, apart from being one of my favorite comedians, is a personal hero to me with just how intelligent he was and just with his philosophy on a lot of things. And uh, just a really brilliant man. You know, I feel like we all have you know, specific thoughts sometimes that, uh, but then we, we don't always know how to articulate it the right way. Patrice had just this amazing ability to be able to perfectly articulate like certain thoughts that we all have and with just his wisdom, especially when it came to stuff with women and in general. So yeah. And anyways, one of the uh, places where Patrice really shined was on an old radio show called the Opie and Anthony show where he was a regular guest on the show. And, you know, that show was really big with helping a lot of comedians be more exposed to mainstream audience. Everyone from Rich Voss to Bill Burr, Louis C.K., of course, Patrice. Right. And uh, in one of the episodes, uh, Patrice and Bill Burr were having a conversation about God. They were joking about like, but you're like, you ever noticed the, the countries that are like the most, most religious are the ones that get fucked up the most and shit like that, you know, they're. And uh, it, it was basically that, like that kind of theme, because it was around the time of like Katrina and, and you know, other natural disasters, like the, the Indonesian tsunami of 04, if anybody remembers. So yeah, basically Patrice was like, he's, you know, he's like, God is, is, is not this dude who, who like wants us to like sit back and, and do this disco dance for him. Like, you think God is like, sitting back looking at everybody worshiping him like look at these motherfuckers they on my dick and you know it's kind of referencing how people are so you know so con convinced that like this is the right way to worship god and this is the the right way to do things so it's kind of in short the song is about the arrogance of mankind that the arrogance that mankind had when it comes to religion, that so many people are like, yeah, not only does God exist, but my God exists. And, you know, this is, I'm worshiping him the right way. And he loves me and my people and my tribe the most, you know? And so that, that's kind of the theme of the song. And it's kind of like, if there is like this really like all, all powerful God who controls and everything, you really think he's so concerned with like your little ritual and how you do shit and how you, and that's kind of like the joke Patrice was making. And, and that's so, so that's where it comes from. You know, if, if anybody is really interested, there's a great video on YouTube. It's called how to embrace confrontation that pretty much detailed in on who Patrice was and like, more like I said, his philosophy and the stuff he talked about because he's, he's gone, not been dead for ten years. Rest in peace. But just, just a brilliant man. 
and a big influence to me just as an artist in general. So it's it's one of the songs that I'm most proud of. That's so funny that a fucking so, comedian inspired a metal song. <laughs> yeah, so disco dance, T-O-M-B, T-O-M-B being they on my dick. <laughs> that Jesus Christ, what a title, man. I know. Uh, so is this, um, these songs, um, like I said, they're, they're not a concept thing. They're four separate singles. And then at the end, you're just going to end up putting them on, on a single project just to make them more accessible or like, what is just for now, for now, just releasing them on YouTube to try to, you know, grow my channel. Eventually I'd like to monetize my YouTube channel because I have a lot of other ideas coming. Like I said, dropping other content. Um, I would like to, you know, have guitars and, and demo reviews. I have, uh, dropping a, a demo a guitar demo video soon i travel a lot for work too so one of the things i like to do is you know do like video uh blogs on like you know historic or like really big or important guitar stores in each city you know like hey i'm here in dallas and this is we're here at so-and-so music shop uh, you know like iconic music stores in each city i go to so that's like one of their themes and just stuff dope. like that, just trying to roll out. Do you have any of those videos content. on the way? Not yet. The one video I have on the way is the, the guitar demo video. And then I'm currently working on another single. Ah, okay. Totally different from, it's like a more of a thrashy song. So that's, that's kind of the theme now, just until seeing how COVID, you know, how COVID plays out. If hopefully in New York, uh, shows will start, places will start opening up soon that people can play shows. For now, it's all about just releasing content whether that be music or other videos and, and grow the channel. Let me ask you this um, as someone who's, uh, you know, a native New Yorker and who's lived there almost a decade again, since your adulthood at this point, um, do you feel like it's going to bounce back to what it was a hundred percent? And if so, how long do you think that's going to take? I, I have no idea in in the last year, year already and a half, however long we've been in COVID, I've seen New York change so much that it's it's ridiculous. It's unrecognizable, you know. For for people, you know, who don't know, you know, New York has like this reputation as like this tough, kind of scary city. But the last years, especially I'm pre-COVID, I'm talking, of course, New York has become literally the safest like of all the big major cities in in the country it's like literally you can walk anywhere at any time it was clean and everywhere was safe you could take the train at any time people don't know because of course the reputation you know even a lot of other new yorkers don't know people still were afraid of some parts of the bronx because they hear the bronx or they think whatever but when i tell you like all of new york even the bad parts it's like we literally had no more ghettos left you know because new york is so big so of course, you still have your little streets here and there that are kind of, you know, but it's not like before. Before you had entire neighbors and entire areas that like were dangerous that you couldn't go to. You you really, that didn't exist, you know, anymore. And, you know, for you in South Florida, it's kind of like the opposite where people think South Florida and Miami and they think all this glitz and glamour stuff. People who aren't from there don't know that South Florida has actually some of the worst ghettos in the country, specifically in Miami. Yeah. So but literally post COVID it's like, it, it's incredible. Like during 2020, it's like crime went up like crazy. There were shootings like every other weekend in the summer. Um, like petty crime was up. 
you know, you saw a lot more homelessness people because the, they decided to let people out of the jails, Rikers Island, to avoid overcrowding because of COVID. And the city just did like almost a complete 180. You know, I walk out of, when I'm coming home and I'm walking on my subway station, I see dudes injecting heroin. Literally, I, saw, I was coming out the subway the other day and I saw a dude with a needle in his arm. I kept, kept missing the veins. So he just had blood running down. So like one dude literally is on the step shooting up. Another dude is on the, another corner with a crack pipe. Another guy's in the corner taking a piss. Like you didn't see that before, you know, in, in general like that. And it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And this year has shown me like, like I didn't know a mayor had that much power. Our mayor, Bill de Blasio, not to get political, but he's completely like fucked things up. Like I didn't, I didn't know mayors had that straight up. I thought, as a mayor, you just kind of, you know, you go to press conferences, you smile and nod, occasionally kick, kiss babies. I didn't think mayors could, like, fuck things up, like, so much in such a short time. It's unbelievable. Well, Cuomo didn't help the issue, uh, you know. Yeah, like, our governor and mayor is so... some twosome. It's just... <laughs> it's, it's really bad what's happened to New York in the last year. You know, so many things have changed, so... Before so at New the York moment, comes you back, don't really yeah. see it coming back, right? Not that I don't see it coming back, but it, it'll be a while, you know? Okay. Because with now people working remotely and stuff, people are seeing that you don't have to live in a major city. You can live pretty much anywhere and work. And, and even I'm considering moving myself. You know, I've told you about that and doing my music project from another location because as of right now, there's... Out of right now, anyway, there's nothing that I can do for my music in New York that I can't do in another spot. Because right now, I'm just releasing content on YouTube. I'm not playing any shows. There's nothing really significant about promoting here in New York. So I, I have no idea. It could be by this fall. could be a year. could be two years. Who knows? But it's, it, it was bad, man. 2020, New York got hit hard. You know? So uh, looking back, even before covid um with the music you had a bit of an issue so uh now with everything that's happened post covid what would you say to someone who's from the outside looking in wants to do what you do wants to pack up move to new york and pursue their metal music dreams like what tips would you give to someone who was fresh in the city maybe not even with the experience that you had of previously living there but someone who really wanted to move to the city and, and pursue their music, what tips would you give them? Would you advise against it? Like, what would you say? I would just say it's, it's all about where you want to be. If you're happy where you are, I think creative, uh, you'll be in a better headspace creatively. And so for me, that's New York. I've always loved living in New York. So this is where I feel, you know, the best, but so if, if you have to think if you're going to feel the same way, if New York is the place for you, as far as with the band stuff, I would try to not, if, you, if you're coming like for that shot of music, I would try not to come alone. Meaning like have a partner, like, you know, come with a buddy or something like that. So you have somebody, so you know, that's at least two stable members in your band. Cause if not, it's just going to be like a rotating lineup of people. Like what's been the case with me and a lot of other people I know it's just so many people aren't serious here. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they feel because it's New York that there's so many people and there's so much opportunity and other people, they'd be like, Oh, fuck it. I'll go jam with someone else. But it's, and the you same know, I definitely thing too. Oh no, go ahead. 
Oh, I would just say if you could come with somebody who you know is going to be your partner, whether like let's say you're a guitarist and they're a bassist, or you're a drummer and they're a singer, something like that, or on or already have a project that wants you to come, you know, play with them like that. That would be you know my advice with based on how things are now. Yeah, I mean, and and even if, let's say you do find a project that's ready to go and they want you to play with them. It might have a situation like happened with you where a few months in one of the two, whether it be you or the rest of the band kind of realizes that it's not mixing or you want to give input and they're not really open to it or vice versa. And, uh, you know, you might find that it doesn't work out and then you have to do it on your own anyway or, or some of, of that effect. So uh, I think a lot of people who are considering that right now, especially post COVID, are definitely going to take that advice into consideration. Uh, I think this it's some good advice if you feel like uh, New York or L.A. or Chicago or wherever it is, the, the destination is the place for you and you feel like you can creatively, you know, blossom there, then I say go for it, you know. But uh, just understand that probably, you know, living somewhere is different than vacationing there or going there for a week or a weekend. Um, and sometimes, you know, I, like I was surprised, like um I had the the same kind of aspirations when I was younger to try and get out to New York and pursue music. Um, and that's kind of the road that I was headed down for a while. But once I started uh, playing with projects over here, um, I kind of realized that there was a bigger scene that that I had than I had imagined. And it really caught me off guard. I had no idea that there was a metal scene down here at all. And I think you'd be surprised anywhere you are. Uh, maybe not, you know, like North Dakota or something, but, but, or Iowa, I mean, but even Iowa had their slipknot, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I think, um, if there's not a scene or you feel like there's not a scene where you are, there's nothing stopping you from being the one to make the scene, you know? Right. There wasn't a, a show down here that interviewed local talent as far as I knew three years ago. And uh, I wanted my band to get exposure. So I made a fucking platform that would give my band exposure and give my friends exposure. Sometimes yeah. you can't be afraid to be the first one, dude. If you got to call up a bar and set up a show yourself and invite on your friends who, you know, and you set up the whole thing and shit. And then you're the one who's starting the scene. You take the initiative. You never right. know what could blossom into. Look what happened in Seattle in the 90s. I mean, that was probably yeah. the same cast of bands like we have now the same 10 or 20 bands all playing with each other and then you have the four that rise to the top nirvana soundgarden uh pearl jam um mother mother milk bone what is it mother love bone mother love bone i said mother milk bone <laughs> mother love bone was the project before the singer of that project died and andy vetter came in eventually became pearl jam uh, and then you have, uh, you know, Alice in Chains. So down here, you know, we got Eras One, we got Macronium, we got Born Beneath, we had Unoya. Uh, Great a lot bands. Of cool bands, you know, um, there's definitely a lot of talent down here. And um, there's no reason that you can't make a, a scene wherever you're at, you know. Um, right. So, uh, and, you know, even down here, there's only a handful of promoters that we really have to thank for even the little scene that we have. DJ Oski. Uh, Lou Quintana from Born Beneath the Singer. He's he took initiative and started setting up shows himself. Um, and uh, Evan in Newport Ritchie of uh, the Verona, he's another guy who's been pushing real hard local bands. He just had Dayside, Day Dayside, like a deity side, I guess, right? 
uh, play over there, I think yesterday, and it looked like a pack house, man. Like I was. Damn, really oh, that's in, uh, that's beautiful to hear. Area. That's nuts, man. I it mean, just they're, they're... I think that venue is going to be closing soon. COVID really had a hard time uh, on them, and the people who own it finally, I think, are cracking down. He has like a certain amount of time, and I think this was one of those like last hurrah type shows. I don't think it'll be the last one, but. I think it's nearing the end, and I, yeah. I had the pleasure of playing there once. Eras one used to play there a lot, uh, and you just have that little. It, sometimes it just takes that one guy, man, to put his neck on the line, yeah. put his finances on the line. I mean, they, the dude has passion, bro. You don't go into debt for, for to to put on shows yeah. if you're not passionate about it. You know? That that sucks to hear, man. And you know the thing is, there there can be a theme can come up from anywhere, you know, because now. You have a lot of people leaving California, going to Texas. So you'll probably see, a, you know, Texas has always been a big music uh, state. But now you'll probably see, I think you're going to see like a, a lot more of like a, a Hollywood type scene in, in Texas, specifically Austin. You'll see, I think, a lot more productions and a lot more musicians and a lot more, you know, comedians and actors coming out of there. Because here in New York, there, there, was a, there was a scene, there was a metal scene because we had some, you know, pretty significant metal areas you know one called lucky 13 another duff bar saint vitus and so and those places you know especially saint vitus had their you know had their were happening you know you had shows like every night or every other night it just uh something about new york that just uh i don't know man the musicians here just a lot of people aren't with it and i have uh, another cousin and he's a reggaeton singer and he recently moved to Florida because he just felt the same that the music scene in New York, people just, I don't know what it is, man. Uh, maybe it's, it's, it's just, like that big city attitude, you know? And uh, Yeah, I think, ego, I they think get so. Away. I mean, I out think here, so. there's like a running joke is like, you know immediately when someone's from New York because they can't stop talking about how they're from New York. You know what I mean? Yeah. So maybe out there, it's like, oh, if, if you played in New York, once that your egos yeah probably, you that's know. probably eight who knows man i I just know i've had so many no call no shows so many ghosting so many people not some people just songs. talk a big talk and they're really not dedicated some people just see the bright lights and they don't see the hard work that goes on beforehand you know they just see and not everybody and not everybody is willing to put in the same work that you are you know i've no, for learned sure. the hard way not to pat mm -hmm. myself on the back but i felt like I've worked so hard and to find people that, you know, have been on my level, it's been very difficult. And then the four guys that I did find, like I said, who worked, as, if not worked, not only as hard as me, probably even harder, you know, I'll give it to them. The guys who I was jamming before, it didn't end up working out because, you know, the musical differences, I had a lot more ideas about business part of the band that they just weren't ready to hear. Cause I guess they thought like, Oh, we're not there yet or whatever, but, you know me i'm like always thinking about the business and the finance stuff of it because that's that's really big part of the industry yeah unfortunately you got to find a way to monetize it if you want to make it your career i mean at the end of the day it is a passion but it's also uh, a business as well like i said if you want to make a living out of it you can always do it as a be, be my guest you know but it takes a lot of work a lot of dedication a lot of um just time. It's like with anything, if you want to be good at it, if you want to succeed at it, you got to put the time in. 
And there's days where I don't want to practice, but you got to muscle through yeah. practice anyway. You know, it's like going to the gym. The days that you don't want to go to the gym, that's the day that you go because that's how you form habits. That's how you form good habits. You yeah. Of course. So, uh, no, it's definitely work uh, and, and go to the gym work. myself, actually, because you know, I'm a big boy. But um, uh, with that, dude, I, surprisingly enough, man, we've been going at it for over an hour. Um, I Damn. Think you're very proud of your work. So let's go ahead and give the chance to the people to hear one of your uh, latest singles. So what song you want me to go ahead and throw out here for the people you want them to hear uh, processing or, or disco dance? I'm going to go, I guess I'm going to say disco dance. Cause that was one of the songs, as I mentioned, that was very influenced by Unoya. <laughs> of course you helped That's me funny. out with that. So yeah. I appreciate that, man. Um, I'm sure the people are going to love it. Make sure you stick around. Listen to Disco Dance by Karaya Lennon Valoy, the man himself, the creator right here in front of you. Thank you Thanks so for much for me, joining me. No, this was awesome. I was, I was so nervous. Like, I was just really excited to do this again, man. It was awesome. Thank you. It's been a long time coming, man. Over 100 episodes. I wanted you on a lot sooner. You insisted you didn't want to come on till you had released some material and I respected that. Yeah. And I think Something it's, to you know, promote, it's for the you best. Know? I just, I, I always uh, enjoy talking to you, man. So I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I appreciate you letting me stay at your place when I go to New York and make me look like I'm big balling. Uh, okay. And um, I'm course. excited to, to hear your next um, single, man. And I'm excited to see where Karaya goes, where you go as far as this secret location. And, uh, you know, man, keep the people posted. Anytime you want to come back on, promote the next single or promote the project. Yeah. If it ever drops as a whole, you just let me know. And um, I think at this point, we can let the music speak for itself. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. And again, that's uh, Karaya TV on YouTube. Karaya yeah, get the plugs in. Sorry, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, no it's all good, man. Get the plugs uh, Karaya, uh, YouTube is Karaya TV. Instagram is Karaya Band. Twitter also Karaya Band. And Karaya is K. A-R-A-Y-A. Hell yeah. Make sure you check that shit out. I might as well plug my shit too. <laughs> Hell yeah. So Let's do if it, you want to check out The Throne on Instagram, if you do not already follow us, make sure you follow us on Instagram, the underscore throne underscore podcast uh, on Facebook, facebook.com slash the throne podcast. Uh, that's where you can find all the latest updates for the show. All the latest episode links uh, our Podbean links, all that good stuff that you might need to check out the show is going to be on our Facebook and on our Instagram. And you can follow us on Twitter if you like at the throne pod. Uh, we're also on there. I barely use it, but the episode links do get posted there when the new episodes go up. Other than that, make sure you go follow Karaya. Make sure you uh, stick around and check out Disco Dance. I helped, you know, write the drums for this. Uh, so I'm excited to finally hear it. See the light of day. Other than that, Lennon, again, I appreciate you coming on, man. Peace. Appreciate being here. Later, guys.